in a prior church that I served, we would pa- pass out a bulletin every week as we are want to do here. But at the bottom of that bulletin, after a while, we started printing these words, subject to change by the work of the Holy Spirit. And things would change sometimes during worship, and I'm going to change something right now. Um, I know that it says we're going to begin at verse 15, but I'd like to read from Luke's Gospel, beginning in the third chapter at the first verse. So if you just listen till we get to verse 15, I think it's important with what I'm going to say in a little bit. And it goes like this. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abram as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abram. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, Well, what then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And so with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. 
You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O God, as we remember this day the baptism of Jesus, may his love for us go into that water and come out again to guide us each day of our lives. When we find ourselves over our heads and overwhelmed, may we find renewed trust in you. May we truly know that you are with us and that wherever we go, you have already been that wherever we go, you have already been also. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. Robert Fulgham once wrote of playing hide-and-seek, and he said that some people get confused. He said, the idea is to hide and get found, not to hide and never to be found. And he goes on, as I write this, there is a kid under a pile of leaves in the yard just under my window. He has been there for a long time, and everybody else is found, and they are about to give up on him at the base. Well, I consider thinking on him or setting the leaves on fire to drive him out, But that seems a little radical. So I yelled, Get found, kid, out the window, and scared him so bad that he wet his pants and started crying. It is really hard to know how to be helpful sometimes. Now, as we meet here together this morning, folks, you know this, but I need to tell you, sometimes even adults hide too doggone well. Many of us know someone who has died of cancer and never said a word to anyone. Friends share how brave he or she was and how they never complained, but after the service, the family members will come to ministers in secret, and they will share how angry they are that the one who they lost did not trust their strength, that they did not say goodbye. Adults often hide too well, without knowing the importance of being found. There are two words that really form our encounter with the Baptist this morning, and those words are these, wilderness and repent, or about face. You see, John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness. It seems that that's the necessary passage on our way towards God. And wilderness in scripture often signifies being lost. It brings back memories of Moses and searching for the promised land. We tend to fear such moments in our lives, but God invites us to embrace those wilderness times. Because oftentimes it is when we find ourselves lost in those wilderness places that is a clear sign to us of God's nearness to us. Turn around. God is near. Every one of us this morning who's a member of this church has been baptized. 
It is the one indispensable right of every Christian congregation. Jesus was baptized by John in the wilderness, and in doing so, he set a precedent for every person who would follow him. We were baptized because Jesus was baptized. And being baptized doesn't mean that we are perfect. Being baptized doesn't mean that we have our life all together. Being baptized doesn't mean that we have our theology all worked out. Being baptized simply means that we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, and we have committed ourselves to walk in his ways as God grants us the grace to do so. You all know the basic story of Christ's baptism. All four Gospels record this momentous occasion, which really was the beginning of his earthly ministry. Luke's version of the account is a bit more condensed than the other Gospel writers. He begins with a brief description of John the Baptist's ministry. Luke tells us that the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might actually be the Messiah. And John answered them like this, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. And Luke tells about Jesus' baptism just a few verses later. He writes simply, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as Jesus was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So another part of our baptism, folks, is that we are given our identity. We are reminded once again that we are children of God. We are a part of the body of Christ, and we know that our words and our actions should reflect that great truth. And I think that is why we revisit this scene in Epiphany every year. We see here the humility and divinity of Jesus, and we are reminded who we are, that we are his body at work in the world today, reminding the world that it is loved We are the children of God, and that is how we are called to live. After tucking his six-year-old son Jason in one night, Jim Dean tapped his son's chest, and he said, Do you know what you have in there? And Jason looked puzzled and responded, My guts? No. You have a piece of God, his father replied. After a brief silence, Jason responded, God is in my guts? No, said his dad, we have a piece of God inside of us. It is God's gift to each of us. And Jason smiled and tapped his dad's chest and asked whether his dad had a piece of God in his guts. And they laughed and together they began to ask the same question about the rest of the family. Does mommy have a piece of God? Yes, they answered laughing. Does Matt have a piece of God? They asked about his older brother. Yes. And Jim knew that Jason attended a daycare center with a little girl named Mary who was so spoiled that she made the people around her miserable. And he said, you know, 
Even Mary has a piece of God. And Jason looked stunned, and then he said emphatically, No, not Mary. And when his father insisted, Jason said, Daddy, I have been with her more than you. She doesn't have a piece of God. Dean told his son that God never missed anyone. Everyone, everyone has a piece of God inside. And Jason pondered this a while and then said, Well, her piece must be covered up with junk. A pastor in North Carolina was teaching a membership class and explaining how some churches baptize by immersion and others by sprinkling. Does anyone know how the Quakers baptize, he asked the class. And a young man responded, oats? <laughs> Thankfully, all Christians use water, not oats. But today, we celebrate the washing away of all the junk that covers people and keeps us from being what God has created each of us to be. But if the hope for cleansing was based on water, we would have to use a whole heck of a lot more of it than we do. It is not water that saves us. Water is just a symbol. Water itself has no saving power, and neither does the strength of our own faith. The focus on our of our baptism is not on the believer, but on God. Grace is not something we earn, but something we receive as a free gift. And baptism is ultimately a symbol of God's grace that is freely given. So it's not the water that saves us. It is not our own noble, though they may be, intentions that save us. It is God acting out of total and complete self-giving love that accepts us just as we are. It is God who saves us. This new sermon series looks into the big things in life. And I want to encourage you today not to sweat the small stuff. Our first big stuff subject is baptism. John the Baptist came from the emptiness of the desert and said, repent, turn around, about face. And that word was not one of judgment, but of grace. The God we worship makes straight the paths of our lives and finds us wherever we may be. So this morning, my friends, Remember your baptism and turn around. Get lost even if you dare. That God might find you. Amen.